0: Seats, all the kids in the house, where are they? Can oh hang on, hang on, they're very quiet. It's like we have every uh, once a month or so. There's a few waving at me at the back there, I like that. Um, they are in with us, and we're able to have this big picture of who we are as a church with kids part of our worship service, being able to uh, worship along with families. As part of my message, kids, I'm just going to lean in on you for a bit over this message. But my, my message and the title for today is Stand Firm in Your Faith, and it's Take Your Stand. Kids, can I have your stand? Can we have a little bit of an exercise? Come, yeah, good, Chase. Loud and proud at the front here. Stand. Yeah, I like that. Up on the chair there. Is that a little Jack? Look how big he is. I was a kid's pastor when he was this high. That is good. You may take your seats. So this morning we are going to be talking um, about um, this idea of taking a stand. And for anyone here that is not a football fan, there was two cars on the road yesterday during the game. It was me and the Mackay's. Um, I was heading up here to Merrill yesterday afternoon and and I come alongside the Mackay's and I wound down my window. And I'm like, clearly not into football either. And they're like, nah. (laughs) I'm like... Megan was there, we had a good little laugh. I actually caught the last three minutes of the game, the one, the decider of the the goal and all the rest of it, I don't know the names or anything like that, but I caught that, so it was a good little action part, three minutes was all I needed um, to capture all what entailed in that game. Um, Clearly Ryan wasn't inviting me over his house for the game yesterday, not into it, just not into it, but welcome kids, it is great to have you here. But this morning we are looking in the book of Galatians. And as I said, this idea of taking a stand and Paul talks to the Galatia church and uh, over here as a bit of a backdrop to the scripture that we're going to open up in a bit, is that Paul has been into Galatia, he has set up these churches, he has um, gone in there like a church planter and gone in, set these churches up and then what he does, he writes these letters back to them. So he's continually pastoring them, encouraging them in their faith journey. And we're going to open that up in a little bit. And this letter that he writes to the Galatia church um, that we're going to open up has been written 15 to 20 years after Christ's death. And over here, there's this situation where um, the Galatia church is facing this idea where Paul writes into them and encourages them this idea that they're getting teaching that is opposing to what the gospel is teaching. And so they're a little bit in need of some encouragement, a little bit in need of actually this encouragement to stand firm in the freedom of Christ. And we see that Paul writes and speaks into this church to say, hey, you knew this freedom. Don't lose that idea of this freedom, but continue in on that. And we have the teachers of the day um, teaching about the law of Moses and all this stuff. That is very different to the message and the gospel of um, Jesus Christ that they are hearing. So it's good that um, Paul now says to them that Christ plus anything else is just not acceptable. There is no need for you to be able to add to what Christ has done. That Christ is all and is enough. And over here we see that he encourages the church here to say that you know all these teachers and all these ideas that they're presenting to you that 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 is not needed any longer because what Christ has done for us is that he has fulfilled all that law and so for us as we open this up for us today that what we see him speaking to the church of galatia all those years ago it also speaks to us today that sometimes we lose this idea of having the freedom of Christ And whilst we will never lose our salvation, we are at risk of losing and not walking in the freedom of Christ. So as we saw these young kids standing over here in this auditorium, may that be a bit of a visual for us, that as Christ followers, as we follow Christ, that we stand firm in the freedom. So let's open up if you have your Bibles with you. If not, look up on the screen. We're in Galatians 5, verse one to 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Our little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that that you will take no other view. The one who's throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and masculate themselves pretty harsh, (laughs) pretty full on for the kids, sorry about that, Um, should have left that verse out, (laughs) that's all right, Um, probably no need to explain that, Um, so as we stand, we stand firm in our freedom, that Paul has repeatedly been telling the Galatian church, there is no need to be fear, have fear and condemnation or their, their failure to keep the law. There's no need to come under this law and, and this idea that you're going to fail it and that, that you're going to have their condemnation come upon you, or you're going to have this fear because you can't live up to this expectation. Because they are righteous in Christ, and that's what they hold on to. Now, now, as we say that, that's not to say that you are righteous in Christ and you have all the freedom in the world. Go and do what you like, when you like, have a party, party it up. That is not what it's saying. But what it is saying that, you know, sometimes this idea of we see this freedom word and we're like, yes, all all on now. We can just go do what we want. But in fact, it is this incentive to live a holy life. Paul wants us to show that the gospel is freedom from fear. Freedom that we are not held by fear or bound by fear. But this freedom um, that leads us to obey God and not to please our own selves. This idea that we'll obey God at a response of who God is and not about pleasing our own desires. And for most of us today, we're pretty confident in this salvation of knowing that we are saved, that we know where we're heading. But it's this in-between time where, you know, when we once made that decision to follow Christ, And one day we'll meet him face to face. This in-between idea that we need to stand firm in our freedom. That actually our salvation, we're not going to lose that. But there is this, this thought that maybe we could lose our freedom. If we allow the yoke and the burdens and all this fear and condemnation come upon us, that we are at risk of losing and not being in the freedom of Christ Jesus. That in a, we are to stand firm in that. So, to make that clear, that we are not going to lose our salvation, but we can lose this freedom in enslavement to fear and condemnation. The word to stand firm is essentially a military word. Seeing Cheryl up the back there in the military, mixing together the ideas of keeping alert, being strong, resisting attack, and sticking together. Paul says, it is for freedom of Christ that sets us free. And he tells the Galatian church, and he tells us today as we open this up, that we are to stay, stay alert, to stand firm, to resist the attacks that come at us. Because what can happen is that we can lose our freedom. That we, can, we are at risk of losing that freedom as attack comes, and as things come at us, that we are burdened by the yoke of slavery. We are burdened by all these things that come upon us that would want to hold us back. And he says, stand firm, resist attack, because we often have things come at us that would want to hold us back, that compel us to stand back or be burdened by these things. And over here, um, Paul says in that same verse, in that last sentence, it says, that word again. You see over here, the Galatia church, they were both... The, the church started with the Jewish church and the, the word spread and Gentiles came in as Gentile Christians and they were once living as pagans and they've now come into, into the Christian, in Christian faith. And what they've had is this Jewish teaching to say that if you're going to please God, you've got to abide by these law. You're going to abide by the law of Moses. You've got to eat these things. You've got to do these things. You've got to do what is right. And then, and then you'll be pleasing to God. But over here, Paul's message says, don't be yoked again. You were once burdened by all these things. You have now come in to this revelation of Christ and you have lived in this freedom. And now you have this teaching coming at you by some of these teachers to say that actually, unless you do these things, eat these things, whatever, according to the law, that you're actually not pleasing God. And so Paul encourages them to stand firm and not, again, be yoked by those things. But actually what you have in Christ Jesus is enough. And all those things don't matter anymore. And what that looks like for each one of us to live in the freedom and not to let those those small things get in into our lives and hold us back and and stop us from living out the freedom. You know, for many of us, we'd have many conversations with people in our lives, and sometimes you start chatting with them, and they start talking about that same thing that they've been talking about for 10 years. And it's like, why is that? Why are you still holding on to that thing from 10 years ago? What stops us? relying on our faith and in Jesus Christ, being able to be set free from those things. You see that there is this one, maybe this one little comment that it may have been a throwaway comment, whatever it may be, but yet you hear the story being repeated and repeated and repeated. And for me, I, I get caught up when I hear these, that these days. It's like, that is stopping you right now. Why is that stopping you? still 10 years later. So I'd encourage us that as we, we look to Christ and we take our stand, that we stand firm in the freedom of Christ Jesus. Obligation to the law is no, no more. Kids, can we have a little bit of this cross action? Where are my kids? Yeah, Harper, you doing it? I can see you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, no longer do we live by the law. There is no obligation to the law anymore. That Christ Jesus abolished the law. Can we hear that, kids? Jesus abolished the law. That's it. No deal, no more. It is gone, it is over, that we live in the freedom of Christ Jesus. Some of the teaching of the day was unless you are circumcised and keep to the law, you cannot be saved. But Paul comes in with this message that says that as Christ has done what he has done on the cross, that's all that matters. Paul says if they adopt this teaching and follow it, then they cannot be saved. Christ will be of no value to them if they're following this law. Because what Christ has done on the cross is enough. If they're going to flip between, oh no, I've got to do the right thing and I've do, got to do all this things according to the law, then they're saying actually Christ isn't enough. And what Paul is telling them here is that Christ is enough. And Christ will be of no value to them if they're, they're living in this idea of I need to follow the law. Paul is saying that, you know, to the Galatians here that were once living in this pagan world and doing all these things that um, were worldly and all sorts of stuff. And then in this idolatry, and then he was also saying here, this radical claim that pagan idolatry and biblical moralism, that is, keeping the laws of the Bible, are basically the same thing. The Galatians had been liberals, and now they're about to be very moral conservatives. And Paul is saying here, it all boils down to this same thing, this same thing of spiritual slavery, that under this circumcision and under the Galatians' experience where they once um, had anxiety and guilt and was burdened by all this stuff, he says no longer is that in Christ Jesus. That, you know, that slavery and that stuff that they once were conformed to is no longer. And Paul wants us to remember that you can't add add to Christ without subtracting Christ. You can't add to Christ unless you subtract Christ. That that law and being good enough and doing the right thing isn't going to get us anywhere. Because what Christ has done on the cross is enough. He is either all their value or he is without value. They either go, obedience of the law is their salvation And therefore, required to obey the whole law, which I think is simply impossible. And ultimately, the Galatians have this either or. And I'm not sure about you, as you talk about the law and trying to abide by the law, um, I have a hard time in this idea of, you know, driving a vehicle. And um, when I'm driving, if you take this one little part of trying to stick to the rules of driving a vehicle without getting an infringement fine, um, it's near impossible for me. I'm not sure about you people, maybe much better off in this area than me. Um, my car actually broke down this week and um, I was to borrow my daughter's 20-year-old daughter's car. And um, she is very good, has never had a refri- infringement, unlike her mother and father. Um... And she tells me, she's like, Mum, if you're going to use my car, you're not allowed to speed in the car. And now I have gotten a lot better, I must say, as I've gotten older. I've gotten a lot better. But she like gives me this big declaration, you're not allowed to speed in my car. And I'm like, Chantel, you know that the car doesn't get the fine, the person gets the fine. She's like, yes, but I don't want my car to be flashed on this light or whatever and to be seen as having a fine. And I'm like whatever um (laughs) and and this idea was you've taken to this one snippet of um, me not driving very well but um I love the idea of maybe getting onto Barbagello racetrack that would be a lot of fun right has anyone done this but oh you have Steve all right oh and Warwick maybe you can invite me next time you go that would be fun I realize in a, a room this big, and we all come from different walks of life and different um, backgrounds of faith and different ways of finding Jesus, how we found and come to realize realization of our salvation in Christ Jesus. And this idea that what I love about it, no matter, I came back from an Anglican background, um, and all I remember is peace be with you and peace be with you." And I'm like, oh yeah great, I've got that down pat. Um, but this idea that as we have all come into salvation and this realization of Christ's love for us and that idea that we cannot earn it, our salvation, our behavior cannot be earned and it cannot be unearned. That no matter how good we are, it makes no difference, no matter how many times we get an infringement or not, or not live up, it doesn't make any difference to our salvation. That Jesus Christ has paid that price for us and that in Him that we are free. That makes me happy because I definitely can't live up to all these expectations, particularly in my driving. We, <laughs> Thank you, Chris. She's going to pray for me after the service. And have you ever got a No. Wait, I'm <laughs> I won't say that. We are no longer under any obligation of the law. And that's a freeing thing. We are not burdened by the law. We are not held back by those things. And Paul speaks of this message to this Galatians church to say that there is freedom in Christ. Hold on to that freedom. Stand firm in your freedom. And don't allow again for those things to be yoked and burden you. Instead of striving for righteousness and effort, which is doomed for failure, Paul encourages the Galatian church over here, and he says, eagerly await. How freeing does that sound? Just as I was reading that and... um, it's like this deep sigh of relief that we eagerly await. There's that anticipation of something to come, a hope that is found, and a wait without any striving, no earning, no justifying from our behalf, but simply a wait. the righteousness for which we hope. Hope means over here now. It's not the, I hope so, kids in the church, I was talking to Olivia earlier before the church um, started, and um, I was asking her, did you get any homework on the school holidays, she said no, um, very differently for I think the Ethan and Ben over here, but I, it's, it's this hope so isn't, I hope my school teachers aren't going to give me homework on the holidays, who got homework on the holidays, I know Ben has, I got an email, <laughs> um, yep, yeah, he didn't hand in some stuff, um, it isn't this, I hope so. I hope I don't get all the teachers in, the, in that place laughed a little bit too loud just then. Um, I hope I don't get homework. This isn't what it's talking about. Over here it's saying this word, hope so, is this powerful assur- assurance and certainty of something to come. This powerful assurance and certainty of something. Paul says, simply await the righteousness. We don't need to work for it or strive for it. So we can just wait for that. We can wait and we can eagerly await with um, passion and faith, awaiting for what is to come. Because we know that one day we will meet face to face with the Father. And we wait for that thing. Righteousness means more than goodness. It is completely right record, right relationship with God. And Paul is saying that we live today in light of our certain, guaranteed future glorification and welcomed by God into His arms. Now, that's a good thing, right? No other follower of any other religion can look to their future like that. But we can. We look to it with this eagerly awaiting of that day that we will come. Into that relationship with Christ fully. A um, couple of weeks ago, I was chatting with as we talk about a weight. You know, all things will happen from the in our days and our journeys, and that come at us where we got to stand firm in our in our faith and in our freedom. And a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to an amazing lady. Has anyone um, met Deb Archer? Debbie Archer. She here in the house. Oh, there you are, straight up the front here. A couple of weeks ago, I was chatting with Deb. And if you were to talk with Deb, you would be blown away by her testimony and her faith journey, that currently she stands right in the middle of a journey of traveling through cancer, and yet every word, every declaration, she speaks like cancer is nothing, because what she awaits for is greater than what she's facing what she awaits for is greater than what she's facing. She's got her kids here. She's got a husband here. And now as we, she speaks of this journey, now she's not at the end of it. She is smack bang in the middle of it. Still got operations to come. Still got stuff that she has to deal with. But what speaks higher than cancer is the name of Jesus Christ. What speaks higher than cancer is the one she awaits. And that definitely changes her conversation, how she speaks. That definitely changes the way she looks in the face of cancer because of the one she awaits for. And um, it was just an amazing story that as I was chatting with her a couple of weeks ago and I walked away, you know one of those conversations where you walk away and you're like, wow, I have something to learn from that lady. So if you're battling or walking through anything, I'd encourage you. Grab hold of this lady. She is an amazing lady that speaks of that testimony and walks a testimony of faith in her life. Paul says that through faith and by the work of the Spirit, we can and will eagerly await this righteousness, this certain glory. So waiting is not simply this intellectual agreement of this is a given that Christ is in our life. But we need to turn our minds to who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. So often our hearts are stirred and our behaviour brought into line with these unseen realities, that as we look to the Father and as we continually await Him, that that has some transference into our lives, that as we wait for Him, as we are are, are meditating on Him, that those unseen things become seen in our lives now interrupts this great flow Of i wanted to just stay there because i thought that was that's just great let's just end it there this is awesome but then he goes on to say to the to the galatians here they had been running this good race kids did you have some running races last term in school who is, where are my kids yes there's a hand up here who loves sports day Sports Day, my favourite day of the whole school year. That's right. That tells you something about my schooling years right there. Love Sports Day. Kids, did you ever have it that maybe over these last school sports, uh, sports day that you're running a race and you all have to be in your own lane, right? You all have your lanes and you get designated what lane you're in. But then somebody can sometimes just cut right in front of you. Did any of this happen to anyone? Oh, Chase. This is a great message for you. Um, <laughs> so this has also happened to me. I remember on the 200, 200 metres, and Ethan, you would know this, you do the athletics, running around 200 metres, and you know how it has that bend that goes around? While somebody didn't actually cut in front, they came very close. And now, as somebody cuts in front, like Chase experienced, or potentially comes close, there's this idea where you start getting distracted, right, and you start looking this way. Any sports, um, anyone running races and doing athletics know that your focus is the end end goal, right? At the finish line. That's where your focus, that's where your attention is. But then that person who cut in front of Chase or comes close to cutting in front of you, they distract you with, I hope they didn't collide into you, but um, they can distract you from where you're going. And over here we see um, Paul's, Paul's asking the people, Who cut in on you? What has happened here? That you know, it can be thrown off your game as you're you're going into this place. That as you're heading to some place, that somebody coming into your lane, somebody coming close to your lane can throw you off where you're heading to. And so you ask them, who's cut in on you? Who's deflecting you from the true course of Jesus Christ in your life? This detour doesn't come from the one who has called you to run this race in the first place. So someone's coming at you. And he calls them out. He's like, who is that? Who Who has come into your space? And that for each one of us here today, that as we've got our eyes fixed on the race that we're running, the the course that we're in, this, this idea of following Christ in our lives, sometimes... We have these side things that come in and want to cut in front of where we're heading to. And for each one of us to identify who and what and why is that? Why is, why is all of this thing, stuff coming at me? And do I stand firm in those moments, to stand firm in my freedom? That as we wrap up today, I'd love to invite the band up. That sometimes it doesn't take much to to throw it off out of our lane or take our freedom, that in these moments, uh, you know, sometimes we lose it without even thinking, well, what actually took place? It was that insignificant. But over here, what we need to know of today is that our freedom can be lost. And over here, Paul talks to the Galatian church to say, don't let that be lost. Stand firm in it. Resist the attack. Stand together. And that this morning as we wrap up, would love to invite us all that as we stand and we go into this song, this declaration of standing firm in the one who calls us. We don't need to add anything to it. We don't need to subtract anything to it. We don't need to earn it. And there's nothing we could have done to lose it. But in fact, uh, this morning, that what we get to do is stand and stand firm in, and await and eagerly await the one who calls us. So I'd love to do that. I'd love to invite you all to stand down. I'm going to pray for us. That maybe you're in that situation and um, you're not living in the freedom of Christ. Maybe there was something that cut in front of you. Maybe there is something that has maybe robbed you of that freedom. That maybe you can stretch your hands out. And that, Jesus, we pray. That, Lord, for everyone in this room, that, Lord, that we would truly know Christ and Christ alone. That, Lord, that you are our all, that you are all we need. And that, Jesus, in you, Lord, we trust. In you we eagerly await. Lord, for that time where we can come in the arms of the Father. And that, Lord, for anyone here today that um, is not living in that freedom, Lord, not feeling that freedom, that Jesus, we pray. That, Lord, for any burden, for any yoke, for anything that has come upon them, that Jesus, in your name, that would be lifted. That, Jesus, that there would be a sense of chains being broken. There'd be a sense, Lord, of freedom being felt in this place. That as we lift up your name, as we glorify you in this place, as we declare that you are all we need, that, Heavenly Father, may there be a freedom that comes. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.